Welcome back. Welcome back to Unity. Welcome back. I remember the old days of the St. Regis back when you could stay in hotels and uh, welcome back to the St. Regis. Now, it's not that I've stayed at the St. Regis a lot of times. I've been there once, actually. And I was in Palm Beach. And, but I got out of the car and they said, welcome back to the St. Regis. And I thought, that is the coolest thing. They're just making an assumption that this is where I stay. So I say, welcome back to Unity. I make that assumption that this is your church. And I'm so glad. As you didn't go to church today. You are the church today. We, the few of us that are here, are the church today, or we is the church. I'm not sure which is the proper usage in this example. But I'm grateful. I'm grateful that we come together to share a message and to share a practice. And so let's go. Today's talk is called uh, Spiritual Logic as Opposed to Magic. I, I think a lot of times we're trying to get magic to happen in, in, in unity or in new thought. You know, if I just say these words, the right incant, incantation, like Emily Cady teaches me to do, I will have this or that. And sometimes it does work, I'll be honest. Sometimes you can say an affirmation and poof, there it is. But more times than not, it isn't. And what's that about? And, and that, to me, it tells me I'm trying to get some magic. And I don't think we have to be a, a Unity member to, uh, to, to try for magic. And I think a lot of traditional religion seeks, to, seeks magic. God will do this, and God will do that, and God will do this, as if. And it's like, and then God's not doing it. So what's up here? And I, and I you know, they just, just ask, just ask in prayer. It also says, ask believing in prayer. Some of us don't hear that. And so we go about talking about the absence of the very thing we have just affirmed the good of, but we're still trying to, you know, like, like it's the amazing God and, and, and has a wand, poof, you, oh, you get this and you get that, you get a car and you get a car and you get a car. And, and it's, there's something very confusing about it, but spiritual logic and spiritual science always work. Now, I, and I am a believer that whatever God is, God is love, God is life, God is substance, God is intelligence, God is truth, God is power and presence and intelligence, is knowledge itself. And so, in knowing this, that has already given us everything. I just haven't seen it all yet. But based on my experience, I've seen a lot. Anybody? Anybody? You know, haven't you seen a lot in your life? I get it. You may not have seen everything you want yet, but haven't you seen a lot? All of you have some place to sit. All of you obviously have a computer or an iPad or a telephone. You know, we're, we are powerful manifestors. We're manifesting all the time. And it did, and what we have manifested didn't come out of nowhere. For some of us, we got a job, we made some money, we bought it. Others of us, we inherited some money and we bought it. Others of us, it was bestowed upon us as a gift. Well, I've been gifted a lot of stuff in my life. There, there's no good or bad about any of this. I don't recommend you steal it. Stealing is not the best karma. <laughs> it is not the best uh, Law of mind action. Steal it. Why don't you steal? You, yeah, obviously, you're not going to get to keep, especially not in consciousness. I, I remember a guy years ago who, who told me he, he worked at a men's store and he stole a suit 
to go on to a job application, to go apply for a job. And I thought, wow, there's something missing there. And this is before I came to Unity. And I heard, you stole a suit to go and uh, interview for a job. And there, there's something wrong with that. And, and of course there is. And we all know stealing is wrong. And it's not because God will be mad at us if we steal. It's because we won't believe we have manifesting powers within us. We won't ever try to apply spiritual logic to the powers of manifestation if we are liars and cheaters and stealers. Uh, it, ju it just won't, it won't ever work and we'll never have the confidence. We won't ever have the joy of the Lord. We won't ever have uh, the peace and the freedom what we will have are secrets. What we may have are court dates. What we may have is jail time. But at the very least, we'll have secrets. And we'll know we tried to get away with something. And as a, as a kid, when I would steal and things, I got away, I quote unquote, got away with a lot. The problem was I had those secrets, so I never got away with anything. Yeah, nobody caught me, but I, had, I was stuck with these secrets. So I didn't really believe I was a beloved child of God. I didn't really believe that God loved me or liked me. I didn't believe I was likable because I was out of integrity. And I didn't have that word when I was a little that young, believe me. But I, uh, but I knew I had to hide and sneak around and everything and I and, and it became such a habit I was doing all my best friend and I were doing it all the time and, but so, so we both had secrets except from each other and if we hadn't had each other I don't know what we, we would have been very lonely children quite frankly and so I want I want to read something to you here from our new thoughts uh, teachings and it says there is an idea quite prevalent in the public mind that we teach a system of thought and word juggling that anyone anywhere can, can have any and everything by merely repeating over and over certain magic words. It is true that words have magic in them, and very often the result of the mental imagery evoked by them is so startling as to suggest Aladdin and his lamp. However, a comprehension of the whole philosophy reveals a well-balanced set of principles upon which it rests. By being determined, one can project an isolated idea and get results without conforming to the accepted laws of human relationships. Now, no one can use the dynamic power of thought and word in unbalanced ways without suffering undesirable conditions or reactions. To avoid this, we keep before our mind's eye the dominant existence of a divine order and law to which we must conform if we are to attain enduring success. Jesus taught that he was the executive of a spiritual principle that was the source. You'll notice that. He said he was the executive of a spiritual principle that was the source. He didn't say he was the source himself was the executive. He didn't, he didn't say we couldn't be also be executives. But he said, 
the wisdom and the power of everything he did, he urged his followers to look to the same inner power. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. So he was the executive of this source and that within that source, the source was the wisdom and the power of everything that he did. We can rely on the same source that Jesus did. We can be the executive using that source, ordering that source into our consciousness. We can manifest in that way. Seeking ye shall find, knock and it shall be open unto you. Now, sometimes magic is confused with miracles or spirituality is confused with miracles. Now, to me what a miracle is, because a miracle isn't something that happens outside of consciousness. It never was, and it never will be something that happens outside of our consciousness. Now, and I thought, what is a miracle? Really, what is a miracle? Because I believe I am a walking miracle. But the way I used to behave, and the way I behave now, it, it, it's just shocking. So I thought, a miracle is when a selfish person becomes generous. That is, it is a shift in consciousness. It doesn't happen outside. You know, a generous, a selfish person isn't suddenly a generous person. A generous person may be a person who used to be selfish, but a generous person is not a person who is selfish. Do you understand the difference? And so the miracle is, is that the selfish person is no longer a selfish person. That to me is a walking miracle. I, another example I have is the transformation of mind when it seems as if the mind was completely shut down. In our 12-step recovery, there's so many people making amends right and left. And what is amends except rethinking our behaviors, rethinking our thinking, so that we no longer have to think of ourselves as liars and thieves and what have you, and cheats. And, and, and so to rethink, I, I, I'm no longer... I'm no longer the prodigal son out in the far country. The prodigal son made amends. He rethought himself to come back home. Now granted, he only rethought himself enough to say, I'm going back to my father's house and I will work for my father. I won't, I know I'm not worthy to be the son anymore. I know I'm not worthy of all that my father has and I've already blown my inheritance. So I'll go home and uh, see if he'll give me a job. And he comes home. And what the father did was remind him, you've always been my son. There's not been one moment of one day that I haven't loved you. It's only you who forgot. It is only you, my son, that forgot you were my son. It is only you, my son, that forgot you were both loved and lovable. It is only you who forgot home is always here. And then, of course, the brother throws a fit. What, you're going to throw a party for him after what he did? You know, I've been here devoted and loyal the whole time. And the father says, yes, you have. Isn't that enough? You've lived in love. The entire time you've been right here in the thick of it. Have you not been paying attention? And see, I think that so many of us, 
we are always right here in the thick of love. And we're not noticing it. And we're mad at the people who are, who are other people who aren't paying attention. I know I'm in the thick of love, but you're terrible that you don't know it. And it's like, you're missing a point there. The, the, the things that people scream at each other on Facebook and what have you, social media, it's shocking. Don't you know God is good? Well, not when you speak to me like that, I don't. And, 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 and so to realize, oh, the miracle happens when I remember. The miracle is when any of us remembers. We are the beloved child of God. And uh, we can't change that. Well, the miracle is, is in the realization we will never, ever uh, change our true nature, our divine nature. I won't change yours and I won't change mine. It's not that I refuse to, it's that I can't. What I am capable of is our, our making arrangements to forget. Anybody? Anybody? Uh, you can, who here is capable of making arrangements, consciously or unconsciously, to forget that you are the beloved child of God? You know, we do it through our complaints. We do it through our look, searching for sickness, searching for poverty, searching for insult, searching for how we are separate from everyone else, searching for how we are even separate from ourselves, which is even more confusing, but searching and saying, I'm not loved. See, if I were loved, I wouldn't feel this way. And the response is, you are loved. Stop feeling that way. You are loved with an everlasting love. And that, to me, is spiritual logic. It is logical to assume I am loved. It is also logical for me to assume if I think I'm not, I'm making up a story. I have proven that I am loved. I've proven it in so many spots. I have, I, I mean, I, and I could spend all day telling you how I'm not loved, but I'm making that up. That is temporary thoughts based on temporary conditions. And what if we looked at all our conditions and decided not this is temporary? This is temporary, whatever this condition is, it is just temporary. The only thing that is lasting is that you and I are loved. You, my neighbor, and I are loved and can't not be loved. The realization of that into our conscious mind, that's the miracle. Where I would rather tell you the truth, even if it hurt our, our feelings, than lie to either one of us. That's a miracle. Where I would rather tell myself the truth even if it's uncomfortable. And you know what's the most uncomfortable truth? To tell myself I am loved when I want to complain, when I want to criticize, either myself or anybody else. Oh, it's uncomfortable when I want to tell myself, but you don't understand, I'm sick. I'm a sick person. 
and people are against me, and life is against me, and money is against me, and it, that is more comfortable for some of us sometimes than I am loved. I am loved even if it's uncomfortable. I am loved. I could keep screaming the other stuff, but it's not true. I am loved. And that was spiritual logic, and I took it that way from the beginning of my healing journey. God's will for me is to be happy, joyous, and free. That, to me, is spiritual logic. And so, if I seek to know the will of God for me, praying only for knowledge of God's will for me, and I know God's will for me is to be happy, joyous, and free, that's not the knowledge. The knowledge is how to tap into that. You know, how to tap into the knowledge that God's will for me is to be happy, joyous, and free. That ought to be my daily journey. Tapping in to the knowledge that God's will for me is to be happy, joyous, and free. See, I can just rattle off the words. God's will for me is to be happy, joyous, and free. Yeah, but if you're not living it, you don't know it. So praying only for knowledge of God's will for us me in particular, because I'm the one praying right now. But if I were willing to pray that for everybody, praying only for knowledge of God's will. So the knowledge is not, I want to be really clear. I know I'm repeating myself. I want to be really clear. The knowledge is not that God's will for us is to be happy, joyous, and free. Any of us can know that off the top of our head. But the knowledge is how. The knowledge is how could I be willing the knowledge is, what would I have to rethink? What thoughts would I have to exchange in order to have the true knowledge that I am happy, joyous, and free? When I have the realization that God and I are one, and the way I do that, and it's happened on many occasions, some I'm still, I've still been squirrely on and and it, and it's just time to stop with that it really is it is time to awaken that you and i are one and my neighbor and i are one the other day i made a phone call to a friend who has had issues with me for a while and so he had issues with me i had issues with him and after a class on tuesday i called him and i said i'm sorry i have betrayed you I didn't know how to be friends with you during your, during your crisis. And he said, Sean, I apologize. I betrayed you. I went crazy and I didn't know what to do about it. I said, I know. And I said, let me tell you something. I've loved you from the day I met you. And I, uh, I'm still your friend. And he cried and I cried. And I thought, okay, one down. <laughs> one down of a, of a few that I've been holding here, pretending we're not one. See, a miracle happened on Tuesday. It wasn't an extraordinary miracle, except that I, uh, willingness. Instead, uh, I, uh, I, I, I went from being a selfish person to a generous person. And I was generous to him. I think I was even more generous to me. I gave myself another friend. Are you willing to give yourselves another friend? Now, the last part I want to touch on here that always seems like a miracle is the feeding of the 5,000. It's, it's, it's a miracle in the Bible that, that people often don't understand. As a kid, I thought, 
Okay, fine. So they had a few loaves of bread and then suddenly 5,000 people are fed and there's leftovers because it's Jesus. Now, something that has been pointed out to me, and I'm so grateful that it has, is that uh, if you pay attention in the Bible, and I, I was reading the book of Luke, uh, chapter 9 for this part. Now, for one thing, the feeding of the 5,000 is in all four Gospels. Not all Bible stories are in all four Gospels, so you might want to pay attention to that. This is clearly a story that was told over and over and over again. Now, tales do get bigger as they are told over and over again, and details change and shift, and so we have to pay attention to that. How big was that fish you caught? You know, and so to, to look at that, but... This one, this one is fascinating to me because in the part before the feeding of the 5,000, at the beginning of chapter 9, Jesus sends his disciples out. He sends them out, and I didn't bring my Bible with me. I meant to read this passage to you, but he sent them out in, in, into the, you know, go, go without any money, stay in people's homes, do healings, raise the dead if necessary, do, do what you see me doing. Go out without me and do what I do. And they did. And then they came back. So that what they did was what we call the impossible. People put them up. They did healings. They, they did, because a lot of people think healing is impossible. So some people were saying, oh no, that's just impossible. Nobody, you can't heal that, you can't heal that. But healings are taking place all the time. And if you get in touch with that, you'll, you'll see, oh, oh, they're happening all the time. I've had many a healing. I don't have any of the original colds I've had. I, uh, you know, I've had many a healing. Uh, so he sent the, these, these guys out and then they come back and then suddenly we, so we find Jesus ministering to a very large crowd. And, and it said that there was 5,000 men plus women and children. Uh, do what you want with that information. Uh, and, and so at the end of the day, the disciples said, Gee, Jesus, we should let them go so they can go, go off and eat. You know, let them go get something to eat. And Jesus said, responded by telling the disciples to feed the crowd themselves. But we got like two loaves of bread and five fish. How are we gonna feed this crowd of 5,000? And Jesus said, well, you just did the impossible. How are you gonna do it now? And, and, and first Jesus blessed, he blessed the loaves of bread and then he blessed the, the fish and he gave thanks for abundance. He, and he knew that it was possible that these 5,000 people would be fed. And so they start breaking up the bread. Now, I looked up, what is the practical application here? How did this actually happen? Spiritual logic, I, I don't think it was magic uh, that, you know, it's like a soup bowl, you know, bread bowl, and suddenly you're pulling out pieces. <laughs> I, it is to me that you will not pull out more pieces from a loaf of bread than there is a loaf of bread. So how did it happen? What happened? Well, in those days, people had big sleeves and they used to carry food in their sleeves. And it is my thought that they, the whole crowd began, once they saw that Jesus uh, said, go off, do it without me, to the disciples. 
people got on board to make this thing happen. And they started pulling the food out of their sleeves and sharing it with one another. And so amongst 5,000 people, so much food appeared from all the 5,000 that there was leftovers. There was more than the people could eat. That to me has no less impact than if it fell out of the sky, than if the bread bowl produced more bread than the loaf had. I think this is just as important. And, and it says, uh, and, and I think it's very important that Jesus didn't say, don't worry, I got this. He said, you feed them. He said to the disciples, you do it, you do it, you do it. You feed these people because I'm not going to be around forever. You have to prove the impossible. And, and that's where Christianity has gone astray in that we keep thinking it's up to Jesus to do it. Jesus, forgive my sins. Well, let me forgive my own, please, and, and ask you to forgive mine. And I will decide if there's any forgiveness to do around you. Because... Well, I want to be clear here. If I have forgiveness to do around you or them, it's because what I have told myself about you or them. It's not necessarily because of what you have done. It's based on what you have done and I decided it meant. The miracle is when I decide it means nothing. It means no thing to me what you have done. Does it still mean something to you? If it does, how can I help you to see differently? How may I serve you today? How may I love you today? So that you may not think of yourself as no thing, but you may go back to believing you are a beloved child of God. This to me is spiritual logic. It's one foot in front of the other or one thought in front of the other based on the willingness to know I am loved with an everlasting love. You see, 5,000 being fed when all they saw was two loaves and five fishes. I'm pretty sure that's the number. Uh, or is it five loaves and two fishes? doesn't matter. When they saw that, oh, this is what's on the table. What can we add to it? What can I bring to the table so that all may be fed? Wouldn't it be so wonderful today if we brought our spiritual selves to the table? A spiritual self doesn't bring our judgments to the table, doesn't bring our opinions to the table. The spiritual self brings Pure love, not confused love, but pure love to the table. And I get it. We sit at the table and suddenly the, the conversation turns to an ugly conversation about politics or what have you. And it's like, wait a minute, I brought love here today. Why am I seeing this? And suddenly we forget the love and we get embroiled or, or we sit there, poor me, I'm stuck with this. That's happened to me more than one occasion. And, uh, and it's like, no. See if you can change the subject. Hey gang, let's talk about love. Hey gang, I watched this great movie the other night. You know, anything, to, 
shift the conversation, but shift the conversation first in your mind so that you can love these people and love yourself evenly, equally, rather than criticizing them. Oh, you're so stupid to have this conversation. That won't work. Love, 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 spiritual logic rather than magic. Spiritual logic is I am loved, you are loved, they are loved. I am loved, you are loved, they are loved. I am loved, you are loved, they are loved, all at the same time. And that's yours and my job, to remember, I am loved, you are loved, they are loved. Wake up every morning with a smile on your face. Thank you.